All right. I figure let's just go ahead and hop in here. So, uh I'll um uh I'll I'll kick us off here. So, this is uh sort of the beginning of what uh what we're kind of hoping is going to become kind of a regular thing at InfoSec Prep, just some periodic seminars to talk about uh, InfoSec stuff. Um, eventually, we'd like to transition into doing more informational content, like uh, like seminars on how to uh, almost like de like miniature DEFCON talks, almost like how to evade antivirus and how to um, I, 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 how to what domain fronting is and how to set up a, and how to and how to set it up um, just off the cuff. Um, and just, that's, that's all just to help you guys, to help, to promote community engagement and to help you guys, cause this is a server about, uh, coming together as a community and improving our infosec skills, adding more wrinkles to our brains, uh, all together. So, uh, we're going to try and do more of these, uh, stage discovery things. It does kind of hurt us that discord doesn't allow us to share screen on these things for some reason. Um, and, and at least not yet. But we'll we'll figure out a solution for that. Uh, how to do informational content while that while not being able to show a screen. Um, so today, what we're going to be talking about is it's this is more of a uh, unstructured, um, open forum on getting into infosec. And the reason that, that we wanted to talk about this is, I think more than a lot of disciplines out there, infosec tends to be. People tend to take a wide variety of pathways into infosec, and I think that's a that's for a lot of reasons. Number one, like the it's cybersecurity is a relatively new industry, uh, so it, it isn't as quite as robust, and the pathways into it are not as uh, are not as well worn, so to speak. Uh, and an uh, and another reason, and and like. And also the educate uh, the educational system hasn't really caught up with infosec just yet. Um, it, there's the even if you get a, a degree in cybersecurity, uh, it's it they they aren't as robust as they could be just yet. So people tend to wander their way into infosec from all kinds of walks of life with all kinds of different college degrees, sometimes with no degree, um, and you you see a wide range of people being successful. So. Uh, as a way of kind of inspiring you guys, the listeners, uh, to like as you're getting into infosec yourself, we're going to talk about our own stories, um, and you know answer your questions regarding how to best approach getting into the 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 cybersecurity uh, the cybersecurity industry. Uh, we do have some questions that have been submitted uh, ahead of time. If you have more questions, please feel free to ask in the micless chit chat room uh, and at me when you ask a question so that I know to uh, so that I can uh, review it personally and uh, and make sure uh, to address it. Uh, other than that, it's going to be kind of a kind of an open forum about um, just just talking about how to make your way into cybersecurity, whether offensive or defensive or uh, whatever you whatever you'd like to do. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kick it off with my own story. Like, again, I took as, as normal a route as anyone did into InfoSec, I suppose. Uh, I was actually, I wanted to be a pilot from a very young age. And I went into, uh, I went to a military academy, uh, in order to be a pilot. Uh, and I was one for the U.S. Air Force for a few years, uh, and decided I didn't like it. And they just happened to put me in cyber warfare. Uh, it was uh, it was on my list of preferences, I, I, but it was not number one. I don't remember where exactly I put it. 
Um, but they put me in cyber warfare and then I, they put me through the training and I was like, I instantly knew I had found my people. Uh, so, uh, from there I was, uh, I did, I was a threat hunter for the air force for several years. Um, and, um, was mostly stationed overseas in various locations in Europe and the middle East, uh, and Japan. Uh, and then I eventually left the air force to pursue offensive cybersecurity specifically got my OSCP. Uh, and I've been in offensive cybersecurity consulting ever since, and I currently work as a red teamer for a large consulting firm. Uh, that's my own personal story. Does anyone else want to kick it off and tell their own, uh, tell their own little, uh, little ditty, introduce themselves, tell their own little ditty? Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, Hopscotch, welcome. Uh, what, what, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us, uh, give us what you got? Okay, I was a pretty vanilla entry into cybersecurity. I was one of those kids that just was a nerd, liked to play games, you know, wanted to build a gaming PC. Uh decided to go to school for it uh for a few years. Just decided just content being a PC tech at first and then found out I hated working with end users, especially during some of our classes was on like report writing and like how to deal with end users when I went to went to a university. So after that, got an internship with the a Department of Justice contractor on malware analysis, and I just f absolutely fell in love with it from there. So after learning a ton of malware development and getting into getting a six months contract with that firm, uh, moved over into cloud and hybrid architecture at a managed service provider, and then from there on out, I was an incident responder uh, for a large health system, and now I'm a uh, contractor for uh, offense work that's great so just like uh uh just a just to flesh it out a little bit like what made you decide to get into this field what brought you over here oh yep yeah, sorry i'm a bit nervous don't do these rules. Oh, no, that's all, no, that's all right. I, I'm, I'm again. It's a free form kind of off the cuff discussion. We don't have any structure to this, so. Um, so in, yeah. in a nutshell, I just had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life at the time being, and the head professor who handled all the cybersecurity uh, concentration happened to also be a, like a minister. So uh, he and I bonded over some things as I kind of had to flesh out some personal things, and I just I knew I wanted him as a professor, so I shifted my concentration from. Uh, network administration, like doing Cisco and Palo Alto work to digital forensics, uh, just so I could have him as an instructor. And it was honestly like the best decision I ever made. Uh, I tried to do some like Cisco work, like doing like the CCNA, and I tried some like DBA knowledge, just as like doing Microsoft's uh, database and like SQL certification. I just hated both. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, great. What's something you knew? What, what, what's something you wish you knew when you were starting off? Don't be afraid to ask for help. So a lot of really mm -hmm. common uh, knowledge, especially during the OSCP, is to not rely too heavily on the forums uh, back in the day. And I, I took that pretty literally, where I wouldn't look at a like knowledge or a forum box or any kind of walkthrough at all, especially mm -hmm. like on hack the box. So I didn't kind of know what I was doing. So if I got stuck, I got stuck because I thought, oh, asking for help is bad. But in reality, it really helps you get the knowledge you need to move forward on things. In terms of career-wise, just an overarching advice I would give is 
don't be afraid to ask for a raise or push back a little bit, especially on the salary up front. I'd found out in the first kind of roles I was in that I was definitely in the underpaid realm of things, especially compared to my peers that didn't perform as highly as I would have. And it turns out they just had asked for raise and were just a little bit more persistent in the negotiation of salary ahead of time. Gotcha. That makes sense. Like, uh, it, it, it's, I can't emphasize enough how, uh, how much I resonate with what you were saying there. Like, I think that a lot of people, like the, the offensive security, like motto of try harder, I think, um, at the risk of, you know, we have an offset staff member in, in chat, but I think that the pro uh, or in the, in the panel, um, and I, I, I love that ethos. I think that ethos is very powerful and, uh, and empowering, uh, but I think it, it it does kind of fall short because it, uh, it when when it, when because it doesn't highlight how important collaboration is in this industry. Nobody is operating in a back in a vacuum in cybersecurity. There's absolutely no one who's sitting uh, who's just sitting on their own, like hacking away on their PC without collaborating with other people to some degree. It's just not how things are done anymore. It's not how anything is done, but as the world becomes more connected, everybody needs to be connected. Everybody's connected to everybody else. And you're going to see a lot more success in this field the earlier on uh, you embrace that collaborative mentality. Now, does that mean looking at a write-up forever, like following a walkthrough for every single box you do? No, absolutely not. But it does mean if you can have like a study group, people you're working with to like share and collaborate ideas, they'll see something that you don't. And then that causes you to learn and incorporate that into your workflow. And you do the same for them. And it, it makes you all better than the sum of your parts. And uh, it's really a beautiful thing. So that's a great thing to go into. Thank you for that hopscotch. Yeah. And just uh, as a quick ad, when you jump into the field, the chances of you not having any kind of help or advice from a senior is just so slim. And mm -hmm. I feel like we get into mentalities of being afraid to look bad, especially like the junior pen testers asking for help. But like your seniors will bail you out. There's no reason you can't ask for help. And that's kind of a motto that needs to shift in the industry. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the earlier you embrace the asking for help and collaborating with others mentality, I think the happier you're going to be about it. The, early, uh, the better you're going to be able to manage your imposter syndrome because you're going you're gonna to be able to see that everyone else is there are other people in the same boat as you the more you're aware that they're because when i was doing oscp i was doing it mostly alone and i was like surely nobody is struggling with this as much as i am but everybody was <laughs> like literally everybody was at my uh when i was when i was first learning so um again that's a great that's a great way a great thing to bring up uh, who wants to go next? Anyone Anyone in particular want to uh, talk about how they wound their way into this industry? Because I'm yeah. going to pick somebody if no one chooses. Okay, good. Sweet. Take it. <laughs> WSP, go, like, we, like, go, go ahead. There we go. So, yeah, I mean, I probably had a, an interesting way in. You know, I have a, a degree in psychology of all things. Um, you know, started at the, the help desk at the school there. Um, and then kind of wound my way into uh, like an ERP applications kind of role and moved up into an analyst role there uh, at a large healthcare organization. Uh, we had like 30,000 employees, you know, that ended up being around 35,000 endpoints. So our security department there was kind of fragmented at that point, uh, wasn't really put together well. 
Um, so I actually started, you know, befriending this .NET developer. We uh, we ended up starting the the phishing campaigns at the entire organization um, with his knowledge and just you know being able to pull out of data warehouses all the information we needed. Um, our team handled a lot of the. I implemented the the two FA solution around the enterprise, and we managed probably twenty apps, and you know that uh, turned around to be like one hundred and fifty servers. Um, you know, and then our security team started growing. I jumped on there as an analyst. Um, you know, spent a few years working my way up to an engineering role, and then a uh, a senior engineering role after I got my CSSP, and really. You know, implemented the AV across the organization was arms deep in the encryption, firewalls, you know, smattering of everything. And just recently started uh, as an incident response and threat hunting engineer for a software company. Fantastic. Uh, I like, I, that's a, that's a, that, yeah, that sounds like a, as, as common of a path as any, I suppose. Yep. Uh, what brought, what brought you over here? What brought you over into the, the dark magics of cybersecurity as it were? Well, it just kind of, you know, I realized I was doing it in the, uh, applications role without, you know, really knowing it. I was studying for my mm -hmm. sec plus at the time, you know, didn't end up ever actually taking it, but, uh, you know, ended up with the CISP instead. Um, and then you know, started really focusing on, you know, not just the defensive, but understanding the offensive side and, you know, going through my OSCP stuff now and, you know, just really opened your eyes to what is out there and what we need to really deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And it, it, I think it's, um, I think a lot of people have a, a fallacious assumption, some fallacious assumptions about cybersecurity. Like, um, and I thought this was, uh, specific to the Air Force. I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about the Air Force just a little bit because that's where my background is and today is all about our backgrounds. Um, so I was dealing a lot with pilots and explaining to pilots that computers are important is sometimes a very painful thing to do um, uh, because the pilots all think they're the center of the universe. I mean, it's called the Air Force for God's sake. Um, so I can't really blame them for that. Uh, that being like, and I remember specifically, I was in some training with some, uh, and there were, I, I was the only cyber warfare officer around, uh, but they were uh, uh, surrounded by a bunch of pilots. And one guy said that, uh, was giving his frank opinion on cybersecurity on, on like the, the, the air force and cybersecurity. And he goes, well, I think that's, I think all that cyber is really important and stuff. Um, but I think it's going to become less important over time because we patch more vulnerabilities every day. Uh, and eventually there's not going to be any vulnerabilities anymore. So that's just going to kind of go away. And, and I, and I, I, I remember looking at him and just being like, this guy just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand, but it, it wasn't a bashing of him. It's sort of endemic to how a lot of people outside the industry understand cybersecurity to be. They think just because windows keeps having patch Tuesday every, uh, every month that things are just uh, that eventually hacker hackers are just not going to be a thing anymore um which just isn't the case uh when you get it when and trying to and our role in the industry uh, as an industry in general is to convince the rest of the world that we're going that we're here to stay and we're going to matter for as essentially indefinitely um so yeah, yeah. i like where you uh, where you took that yeah and you know to add on to that you know i don't think 
the Air Force and, and pilots are, you know, that's not uh, an uncommon thing in the industry, right? Like in the healthcare industry, we had doctors and nurses going, well, why the hell does my PC even have to reboot every month? You know, mm-hmm. I'm taking care of people. I'm pulling in X amount of money for the organization. Why, mm-hmm. why do these rules apply to me? And it's just like, you know, we, we all got to hit it. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, it's class. Nobody cares about security of any kind, cybersecurity, physical security, really any kind of security. No one gives a single, no, no one cares at all about security until there's a breach. Yep. <laughs> until it's there their it data that's stolen, until it's their password that's guessed. Nobody cares. Yep. Um, so our role is to teach people that they have to care uh, some, man, some amount of time before that. Uh, so what's something you wish you knew when you were starting WSP? Um, you know, being able to, I guess, fail forward, fail successfully mm-hmm. and just hit it and, you know, you know, take a system down. Sorry, won't happen again. And then just be able to learn from it. You know, a lot of blue team is process documentation, all that kind of stuff The the not fun stuff. There's, the fun cybersecurity part, but there's also, you know, a lot of times people don't realize there's policies and GRC and all that stuff that, that has to coexist in that area. So, you know, being able to fail quickly and then adjust and make it still a success, I think would be huge because kind of like Hopscotch said, you fail one time, you might be a little gun shy to do something again, especially without asking somebody else for help. Absolutely. Failure is just sort of the way of things in this field. And that's kind of where the try harder ethos comes from. Um, this, this field is, this field very much is very, I'm really trying not to tie it into a certain video game. That's monopolizing my attention recently. I'm not going to name it. Uh, cause then I'm going to want to talk about it. Um, but there's a video game that involves failing a whole, that, that it released recently that involves failing a lot of times and then eventually succeeding. And then uh, your your and then when you succeed, it's that much more, it's it's that much more potent, and you're just like God. This is the best. That's what cybersecurity feels like. So the earlier that you embrace uh, failure and improvement, um, is uh, the the better off you're going to be. So I, uh, thanks for bringing that up, WSP. All right, who's next? I'll 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 pick someone. I'll do it. Okay, I'll I'll go next. Um, Jeez, go in. Just to just to preface this, um, I'm not in the cybersecurity industry. Um, initially, um, I was debating going into this meeting, but I feel like where I am right now, and where I started is uh, important enough to some people to at least warrant being talked about. Um, so I graduated high school um, last year in May. And I'm currently an active directory administrator for a fairly large organization. Um, And I feel like getting to where I am is not normal and uh, somewhat difficult to do. And it it should at least be talked about. um, So at least there's some people that could replicate what I've done. So, um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I think you have a lot to talk about. You have a great perspective. Uh, coming into this, so we want to we want to hear what you think about getting into cybersecurity. So um, initially, uh, you you start out you want to be in cybersecurity, but um, you know you don't have a degree. Um, all all you have is uh, 
certifications, right? You know, there's there's a bunch of places you could go with that. Um, but, you know, starting at the bottom is always the sure shot way to the top, if, if that makes sense to anybody. Um, so I started out um, in, in high school. I started interviewing for help desk jobs. Um, I got a bite, and the, the, the word at the end of the interview was, when can you start? Um, so that was after high school. So I had a job lined up after high school, started that up. Nice. Um, just, just continue to uh, bring the best that you can to the table every day. Um, working hard and practicing hard. Um, both of those will get you very far uh, wherever you go. Um, IT, cybersecurity, any, anything you want to do. Um, just, just continue to keep working. Um, and, you know, if there's an opportunity that presents itself, um, it, it can be easy to back down. Um, if, if there's a spot that opens up and you really want it, well, push for it. Put your best foot forward. Um, that's how I ended up where I am. Um, I work with uh, some pretty awesome people now. Definitely uh, very underqualified for the position. But if, if you go into that interview being confident and knowing what you're talking about, doing your homework, um, you can surprise some people and get your foot in the door in places that you really aren't really qualified to be. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely uh, 100% agree with that. This is why I think your your perspective is very important, because this is people always ask me, how do I get that first cybersecurity job? And uh, it, it's really uh, you, you may if you're coming from a different field of uh, like I was, well, I, I had kind of a I'm kind of a unique situation because I was in the Air Force. But for for other people in the private sector, you might want to you might find yourself in an adjacent field first, like you might find yourself in IT or in a help desk role or something or uh, something like that. And it's all about learning what you can at that role and framing it on your resume and in your interviews uh, to be relevant to cybersecurity. Uh, I do periodic resume reviews on my stream. And last time we had a guy who has just worked uh, retail. Like all he'd ever done is retail, but he's trying to pivot into cybersecurity. And he had this great resume that I really liked because it had all of his retail experience on there. Uh, he had no actual on-the-job cybersecurity experience yet, but everything that he could possibly come up with that was relevant to his that was relevant to cybersecurity from retail was on his resume. Like he caught this many number of shoplifters, or um, he he redesigned their 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 um, their computer net the 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 store computer network and uh, or and replaced the cameras to get optimal coverage. Um, and, and stuff like that, and literally everything that was relevant um, to cybersecurity on, uh, in his retail job was on there. And he also included all of the hobbies and stuff he was doing in his spare time. Try hack me, hack the box, um, CT, other CTFs he was doing in his spare time, communities he was involved in. This is the key. You find your way into an adjacent field however you can. Get any kind of role you can to start off with. And start really, uh, and from there you can. It's once you've once you're sort of in the industry, it's much easier to kind of work your way into the job you want to work your way into. So I like how you you got into that, Chez. Uh, what brought you over here? What made you decide to get into this stuff? Um. Well, this is gonna sound weird, but I saw a. Uh, so I was I was 15 years old. I watched a uh, TCM video where he was drunk with his wife doing blue on Hack the Box. 
Um, I saw and, that one. Yeah, yeah. From that point I on, to, I, was like, I used to watch him really early on before I ever streamed. And yep. uh, yeah, I, I remember watching that one. Yep, that's like, wow, this is cool. I want to go do this. And then I uh, went and did the uh, entrance challenge uh, that that took you know, two weeks. That was not fun. Uh, back when <laughs> Hack the Box did have an entrance challenge. And then it just started from there. Um, network on Discord, you know, find people you like to talk to, um, learn things from them that, you know, if, if, how do I say this? So no matter how stupid you think someone is, um, there's something to learn from them. It, you know, it doesn't matter if they're lazy, if you think they're stupid, listen to what they have to say, because it may be important or you may learn something from it. Um, don't, don't discount people or, or talk down to people, you know, that everybody has something of value to contribute. Oh yeah, I absolutely. I a uh, hundred. I a hundred percent agree. So, uh, yeah, great input there. We do have a question for you from the audience. Uh, how important would you say networking was in your path so far? Uh, every single job that I've gotten, so like, uh, like person networking was from uh, basically someone that I knew, um, saying like, "Hey, you, you want to come work here? I can get you a, your resume in front of the hiring manager, or I can put in a good word for you." So. That that pays a big part. Um, you know, start talking to people. It's like, hey, where do you work? Uh, could you get me a word in? That that that's the that's the way to go. Um, because, you know, when hiring managers get this empty resume with no other like explanation around it, it's it's kind of they see it as a waste of time sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. If there's no there's no material backing to it, so like a a person backing it up. It, it doesn't hold as much value as, you know, someone with a with a, a wall of a resume with like 16 billion different accomplishments, you know, 30 years of experience. It, 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 they're completely different things, but you can get there just by having someone, you know, say like, hey, this, this person, they're the real deal. They can do this. They can do that. They're not, you know, they're not lazy. They, they work really hard every day. That's, that's how you get where you want to be. That's how you get jobs that you're not qualified for. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Networking is everything in this field, I would say. It's a very small field. It feels like there's a lot of people when you're in the Discord servers and you're hanging out in Slack and stuff, um, and you hear about the DEF CON attendee list and stuff, but it's actually very small. Uh, it's uh, Compared to other fields, this is very small, and we all know each other uh, to some degree. Uh, the, the InfoSec field is very incestuous. Uh, we all know each other. We all um, we all collaborate with each other, and uh, it's it's and because of that, it's it it's best. The earlier you start like meeting people and using those people to meet more people, the the easier you're going to have uh, to be able to worm your way into positions that, like you said, you're not qualified for. Um, you're you're you have a lot of advantage, cheese. I wish that I had gotten into cybersecurity as young as you are. Um, so, uh, I'm jealous of you in that regard. Um, we have, we, I, I have people that come to me. One of, uh, one of the questions that we have to answer today is how hard is to, how hard is it to switch into cybersecurity for someone in their thirties? Um, it does feel like a younger field just because, uh, it's a newer field. The field itself is young. Um, and the young people and p young people are growing up, getting exposed to the internet and getting exposed to cybersecurity at an earlier age. But you absolutely can get into this um, as a as a thirty something. You absolutely one hundred percent can. I've had people get into it in their forties and fifties. 
um, people who watch my stream, people who uh, collaborate in InfoSec Prep, um, and get into get into roles uh, having done something else entirely for their entire life. Um, so you shouldn't you should you're just as uh, able to make it in this field um, as the younger folks. You shouldn't feel discouraged if you're if you if you if you think of yourself as a boomer uh, at all. So thanks for your your insight, Cheese. I really do appreciate you being here today. All right, moving right along. Uh, let's do Purple Fox. Hit me with it. Okay, what brought um, you over here? What got you into InfoSec? Um, well, I'd always had an interest in it from a young age because when I was eight years old, my uncle got us our first desktop PC. It was for the whole family, but really he got it because he wanted to expose uh, me and my brother to it because he knew you know, way back in the 90s, computers and cybersecurity was going to be enormous. And I always knew he was in some capacity of security, and I kind of always had my mind made up that I wanted to do that, even though my career path at first didn't go that way. Um, I was in the Air Force uh, like you were, but uh, I was in a electrical field, uh, working on generators specifically. So. When I got out and decided I was going to use my GI Bill, I actually initially signed up for electrical engineering because I was kind of in the mentality of just stick to what I already kind of knew, just further it. But uh, I started talking to the IT students, and they were talking about how they were building servers and stuff, and that recaptured my interest in IT. So I went to the dean the next day and asked to get uh, – transferred to the IT program and they granted me that and that's nice where it all actually began just getting a, a base knowledge of a lot of different things like it, it was a technical college it wasn't a university so <laughs> it was structured a bit weird that we we touched on a little bit of everything we did a little windows administration a little linux a little networking a little security a little programming a little sql so it kind of <laughs> I think the, the, the intent was just to give everyone a taste of different things so that there was no limitation to what they could branch off into later as a career. They had a little bit of everything. And mm -hmm. um, while I was in school, I was also studying for CompTIA A+, Net+, and Security+, although I never actually took the Network+, but I did uh, take A+, and Security+, and I pretty much had this notion in my mind that if I wanted to be good at security, I needed bigger tastes of everything. So the way I was hopping from job to job, I was trying to do different things. Like I started in help desk, which was good to build up a uh, troubleshooting methodology. Um, then I went to desktop support, which was more the same stuff, but it was hands-on instead of just sitting on the phone all day. Um, after desktop support, I got a job in a data center uh, doing a nighttime Windows server administration. But uh, since we were night shift, I was mostly just doing patching or other maintenance that just couldn't be done during business hours, like swapping out failed hardware on servers like hard drives and power supplies. Um, did that for maybe a year, and then I pivoted to 
a network engineer in the same data center, but I was like tier one, so I was mostly just processing uh, firewall requests from customers. I wasn't really doing any of the heavy hitting troubleshooting, which was kind of glad for because uh, that that data center was a a mess. It was originally two data centers that they just suddenly just one day said, "Hey, let's put everything in one data center." So the network was just a cobweb that hardly anyone understood. Um, and after doing that for about a year um, is when I got my first job actually doing security, but it was blue team. It was purely defensive, but uh, I actually did get my OSCP like a week before I started that job. And honestly, even from a de defensive perspective, that was tremendously helpful. Just having that background knowledge of what certain attacks could look like. I, I had a, a different perspective from everyone else in that team. No one else had any uh, skill in offensive security. And I did that for two years on the dot. Like it wasn't even planned out, but just the way that my two weeks notice worked out. Uh, my last day at that job was one calendar day away from my two year anniversary there. And uh, I left that to get my pin testing job, which is where I'm at now. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, what you're going to find in this field is that uh, everybody's kind of got a different background, a different uh, a different way of going about things. And that's uh, that's why collaboration is so important, because someone else, just by virtue of how they uh, of of the pathway that they took is going to have different experience from you, is going to see different things than you and is going to have a different perspective. And that perspective <clears throat> is very valuable. So uh, it's you've got you've got kind of like a jack of all trades introduction into uh, cybersecurity, which is great because you need to kind of be a jack of all trades in this field. Um, what's something you wish you knew when you were starting? Um, I'm sure there's something out there. Nothing comes to mind immediately. I guess communities like this because I didn't I actually joined this server when I happened to mention on someone else's server um the one that belongs to uh the blind hacker which since then has been changed to uh dead pixel sec is the name um i just mentioned i was taking osce and someone was like hey here's uh this server where people prep for offset certs and that's how i ended up here and i guess that's just the one thing i wish i knew about sooner was communities because i was just soloing it for about six or seven years before i found out there was places where I could talk to people and get more information and share stories and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. I'm, we're, we're, and we're very glad to have you here. You've been, you've been around for a long time in this <clears> server. <throat> and uh, uh, I, I had the pleasure of meeting you just this past, uh, <laughs> this past week uh, after all this time. Yeah. And uh, you're just as delightful in person as I expected <laughs> you to be. So uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for being so cool. Thank you. Uh, who hasn't gone yet? Let's see. I can go. Okay, home brewer, hit me with it. Yeah, so uh, I guess like cheese, I kind of want to put out a disclaimer. Um, I'm not currently in cybersecurity yet. I'm in my last semester of college, but upon graduating in May, I, I do have an offer to start as a pen tester. And so I can just kind of talk about my background leading up to how I secured that. Um, initially, I was actually going to school for chemical engineering. So definitely not a IT-related major at all. I kind of yeah, realized that. biology, so I get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't really a fan of that. I kind of realized it wasn't for me. So I did end up switching schools and switching majors um, to studying IT. 
And around that time, about two years ago, um, you know, I began learning about. Sorry, this dog. I began learning about different certifications. I started with my Security Plus, um, but quickly kind of found the more niche, like hands-on certifications. Uh, so that led me to OSCP, which I earned. Uh, after OSCP, I think I discovered this server and kind of discovered how amazing cybersecurity could be, and I just wanted to learn everything about it. Um, so I kind of got into web stuff there, and around two years ago, I started doing bug bounty hunting, which I've kind of just been doing every day since then. Um, along the way, I picked up a few internships, kind of used COVID to my advantage, I'll say, because I live in a small state where there's not a lot of cybersecurity. Uh, so I did secure a remote pen testing internship last summer, and that kind of did lead to uh, full-time offers. And that kind of leads to where I am today. I'll be graduating soon. I have OSCP, OSEP, and I'll be starting as a pen tester in June. Oh, you got a great start, me. My yeah, man. boy. What'd you say? I say he's gonna be working with me. Yeah, boy. Yep. <laughs> oh, really? You guys, you, got, you guys, uh, gonna be working yeah. together, huh? Yeah. So all of my intern, uh, sorry, all of my interviews actually came through networking with this Discord server. Um, uh huh. So all of my offer letters actually came from people you know, other staff here that I, I've worked with and networked. So I can't really emphasize enough how important getting to know people in the community is, as you know, you quite literally could get a job just from shit posting on Discord. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. You literally, that's a pretty common thing to have happen, honestly. Um, and I'm really glad that you, uh, that we have you here as kind of a case study of somebody who uh, literally is getting jobs because they're in Discord servers just, you know, just collaborating, existing in the community. I, I know that a lot of you, uh, I know that I felt this way, and so I know I'm not alone uh, when, I, when I say that it, it feels like, it, 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 it kind of feels like you have nothing to contribute, right? You, you convince yourself that you have nothing to contribute, and that's the imposter syndrome talking. Um, that's incredibly common. Um, for people to just feel like, I, I just have nothing to add. Everyone knows everything that I could contribute. It's just not true. And the earlier that you get over that, the better you're going to be and the more you're going to be able to collaborate, the more you're going to be able to, uh, uh, the better you're, you're going to do in this field. So I, I highly encourage you, regardless of how new you are to cybersecurity, just start taking part in discussion. You don't need to, like... Uh, post like an in-depth tutorial on how to do ntlm relay or anything like that but just just like just shit post in the discord just have a good time uh talk with people in the discord get to know people that's how it starts okay that's how you get started um what's something you wish you knew when you were starting out home yeah definitely um i mean we've had lots of good points here about kind of learning from failure and all that but i think having a goal is important. Um, even if you do fail along the way to that goal, just having something that's that's measurable uh, that you can like know when you succeeded. So you know when you've reached your goal. So if that's a certification, if that's getting your first bounty, if that's getting your first interview, just have something that you can measure success. Uh, so you'll know when you've achieved that goal. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. Not everybody is super goal oriented, and uh, and doesn't necessarily feel like they. I, I don't want you to be paralyzed. I don't want people to be paralyzed by, like, having a goal, if that makes any sense. Like, don't feel like you, once you, don't feel like you absolutely need to have a hard set goal. And even when you do, it has to be, like, uh, it, it has to be 
uh, you have to follow it to its conclusion and all of this. Goals change, people change, uh, stuff changes. But yeah, having something that you're working towards in a general sense, I think can be very powerful for some people because it, it makes it, it helps it, it, it makes it easier to recognize when you've made progress, uh, which can kind of be hard in this field. Because um, I can tell you that I thought that once I had OSCP, when I was first starting out, I thought once I had OSCP that I was going to feel like a hacker. I was going to be a real boy then. Um, and I was going to I was going to be hacking the mainframe, stealing gigabytes from the motherboard. I was going to be elite as the as the a certain movie from the 90s uh, likes to put it. Um, and I I found that when I got OSCP, I that was my goal. And I found that when I got it. I didn't really feel any different. I still felt like I didn't really know anything. I felt like I'd had a fluke on the exam and uh I was I uh and I had just uh I I had I had just seen things that I had encountered before uh and 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 I and I knew how to handle and I was lucky enough to see what in my Linp's output what uh what I was what I was supposed to see and all of this stuff. None of that is true. None of it is true. None of it. But that's what that's the trick your brain plays on you in this field. It feels like you're never really making progress because you because as you learn, you learn more about which there is to learn. Um, you learn you learn the wide breadth of this field and how much you don't and how much you really don't know. the The deeper you dive, the the deeper you dive into this field, the more you can see how deep there is to go beneath you. Does that make sense? And if you're at the the surface of the ocean, it doesn't uh, like there's uh, like a ton of space underneath of you, but you can't see it because the water's so dark. But as you dive down, you can see further down, and you can see that uh, really how deep it goes, how deep the rabbit hole goes. So, um, it is um, it's good to it's definitely good to have a goal. It's uh, just to just because as you accomplish goals, it's good to be able to remind yourself. I'm accomplishing my goals. I'm getting better. I'm improving, and that helps you manage that imposter syndrome that becomes such a pain in the ass to deal with. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's always good, like you said, just to kind of look back and and see that all you've accomplished. Because I I definitely feel that you know you learn one thing and you realize there's seven more things that you don't know. So even if Absolutely. your goal is as small as is reading a blog post every day or something, just as long as you're always learning, you'll succeed. Oh, fully agree. Um, Siren. Let us know how do you how did you how did you how did work you your way into Intosec? What what Me? made you decide to get into it, and how'd you get into it? Me? Me? Oh, uh, well, you know, I've answered this question a few times on podcasts and such. How did it start, Siren? So I'm like 31 now, and truth of the matter is, my passion for security started when I was like 12. Uh, I kind of had the privilege of being with uh, an early like uh, group of security enthusiasts uh, from Millworm and uh, just kind of like lurking uh, in the IRC chat, I guess. And it allowed me as a kid to start learning code from a different perspective. I was kind of interested in programming, but I was more interested in like making code do cool things. I don't know. I was like, how can I make <laughs> code do things? It's, it was all foreign and all, it was like a new, you know, here and there, my dragons kind of concept. So Millworm mm -hmm. was 
was so awesome to me. And uh, anytime there were exploits or the bot would like update the IRC channel with the latest uh, weaponized code verified and all that, I would just honestly piece through it, like try and get it to work locally on my machine, try and figure out what the heck it was doing. Little did I know, I mean, I was putting the first steps into into what would eventually become pretty much my purpose in life, which would be an up, you know, writing certifications and and educating the the next generation of intruders, right? So it definitely started way, way back uh, for me. I ended up learning a lot of programming. I Millworm taught me early on that there is no one language, right? Like if mm -hmm. you can exploit any language for code execution, then that became like the goal. So I ended up by the time, you know, I was in my late twenties, uh, I had worked with, uh, and, and programmed in about 15 languages. Um, I had a degree in organic chemistry and I was pretty ready to, to come out of the bulwark, to join offensive security. Um, and I, what I ended up doing is pursuing my OSCP. I studied, I got my OSCP. I just took the mindset of forget everything you think you know about computers and security and, and just trust us. And I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up like they offensive security ended up taking me down a road that I didn't really know existed. Right. I'd, I'd heard rumors of it. I'd maybe looked at it at various points in my life, but they took it. They took me down that road properly. Um, showed me how all of this could be ethical, how all of this could be authorized, how all of this, you know, and taught me a lot more. So OFSEC was kind of pivotal and crucial, right? And in, in my life, um, I got my OSCP. And then the truth of the matter is, dude, I mean, what, even after I got my OSCP for me, I mean, I took what offensive security told me to heart, which was that the OSCP is foundational and it's only a test is, you know, it's only a taste of things yep. to come. And I started learning a lot of other things. I just, any articles that I could, CVEs I could pull apart, weaponized code, et cetera. And after working uh, for Comcast or Xfinity and then working for kind of like a private military red team, uh, type thing where my boss was an ex Navy SEAL. He like snatched me up, like out of nowhere. I was thrown through the fire. I had to pass these CTS. I had to write everything up. And then, you know, privately the team would read my write up, my report, see if they thought that I was a good fit on my background. And I made it on the team. Um, and I ended up learning quite even, even more past OSCP from them. So, and I want to say for anybody getting into it, like I quit my job at Geek Squad for an internship, for an internship um, that lasted three months. And then that went on to like basically a full-time contract, um, a paid contract with this team. And um, after that, then I, I worked for a particular bank, um, analyzing weaponized code, everything from like... Uh, various CVEs that had come out, you know, determining if our infrastructure was vulnerable, um, even taking apart uh, solar winds and any sunburst operations, right? F looking nice. for intel and trying to find that stuff. Um, 
But at the same time, I was kind of like the senior technical lead um, for incident response at this bank after I left the red team. That's where I ended up. And I did, you know, millions of lines of code review for them. And I also did like countless, I can't even remember how many application security um, engagements to lock down those applications. Um, And then one day, (laughs) one day, uh, offensive security said that they were going from IRC and rocket chat to discord. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, try and take my, my teaching and education, uh, background, and I'm going to try and apply that to, uh, you know, this, this new frontier. And sure enough, I did so. And it kind of just, you know, I had people from offsec and then there were, there were so many people, man, even some people maybe even listening right now that were just like offsec, please hire her. And I, I, I couldn't like have been more happy. Uh, and I'm still so happy with the position that I got. Um, but that's pretty much how I stepped into um, information security, offensive security over. And, and that's, that's the summary of like my life as regard, with regards to, with regards to security. So um, yeah. That's that. Uh, that's that's great. You took a. That's a really. That's that's really interesting. I I remember. I mean, I love. I've loved computers since a very young age. And uh, like Zephy, I didn't really have my own computer. I had like one family computer that I kind of just monopolized because I was on it all the time. Um, and I did my first exploit before I even knew what exploits really were. Right. Um. Uh. Like there was this. Like back in the day, I used to be into. Um. Uh, I used to be in. I was. Yeah, I was kind of like I was at when I was twelve. Okay, I was uh, I was really into like uh, online role playing about fandoms that I enjoyed, like Legend of Zelda and Harry Potter. Um, and uh, there were a lot of like message board forums because that's how people we didn't have Discord back then. Like the the kids we did the kids have Discord these days for their uh, for their fandoms, but these but in those days we had message message boards, um, where that we would post on. And uh, I remember I was on this one message board and I got really mad at one of the admins for some reason. I don't remember why. I was I was like 13. I was probably 14 when this happened, I guess. I think I was in high school. I think I'm just I think I had just started high school if I'm remembering right. Um but I want I decided I wanted to hack the forum. I had no idea what to do, but I decided I wanted to hack the forum and I remember using Google to find how to hack Envision Free Powerboard forum. Uh, and I remember finding th- this this YouTube video of this guy saying, "Okay, I'm gonna put the. I have this script that you can download in the description. The script was Python, um, uh, and I, but I didn't know what Python was at that time. You're just gonna run this script. You're gonna you're gonna and you're gonna you're gonna save the. You're just gonna give it the URL of the forum. And it'll create a new admin account for you. And I didn't know what was happening, but looking back on it now, I realized that there was a SQL injection vulnerability, and it was it was creating a new admin account." Um, wow. and I was going to say and, that or CSRF, right? Could have been a yeah. yeah. It was CSRF. C- it was SQL injection. I actually have Googled to find the same vulnerability and read about it because that was the first thing I ever did. Um, so it's and and at the time I remember I didn't really I didn't really hack it. Uh, I mean I told everyone I did obviously, um, but at the time I was like I didn't really hack it. I just took somebody's code from online. Which by the way, yikes. <laughs> I just sort of ran this code and no idea what it did. No idea what I was doing. Just kind of ran this code that someone else, that some sketchy dude on YouTube had given me. Um, 
And uh, so maybe it did backdoor my machine, and I just didn't. I just never knew. Um, but uh, I but looking back on it now, I absolutely did hack that forum. That's exactly what I do now. <laughs> I just read the script before I run it, but I Google how to do it, and then I figure it out on the fly. That's exactly what I did. So it was um, it was it was a formative experience for me. That inquisitive nature is a uh, is uh, is really important to this to this field. And even then, I never really thought I would get into cybersecurity. But looking back on it now, I think that was my uh, look at, at how that felt to actually be able to log in as my admin account that I just made was uh, I felt powerful. And that's what I like now. Um, so I guess I'll just uh, we have a number of questions that you guys have asked. So we'll uh, I want to be respectful of you guys this time. It's gone almost an hour already, but we'll ask a few of these questions. If anyone needs to go, by all means, don't let, don't let me keep you. Uh, but let's see. We're uh, let's let's ask some questions here. How do you break out of the hack the box CTF sphere into a professional position? What are some of the mindset and strategy differences between an amateur and a professional? What kind of tools and knowledge will be unavailable in game like hacking scenarios uh, like CTFs that would be prudent to learn and study before moving into a career in infosec? Um, so does that, if, I mean, I'm, I'm opening this up as kind of a free form discussion. If anyone wants to, uh, jump right in to answer that question, they, they, they should feel, uh, very welcome to do so, or I can do it. So like, um, I, I think this, this is, this is an interesting thing. Like there, it's not as hard as you think to move from the CTF world to like the professional world, the school, the skills absolutely do transfer over. The only differences I would say is the prevalence of like client side exploitation. Client side exploitation is much more relevant in the real world than it is in CTFs because usually you're not going to have a client on the other side to uh, run your cross site scripting payload or click on your phishing email or anything like that. Um, uh, one one of the attacks I think is that's most relevant that you're not going to see in CTFs very often um, is responder uh, and NTLM relay. Uh, those are the most important things uh, to learn about because OSCP didn't teach me those. And then I got out on my first uh, pen testing engagement on an internal network and I had no idea what to do and Nmap was not helping me because there were thousands of hosts. How am I supposed to figure out what to go after? <laughs> um, and, I, and I Googled it and I found out about Responder and NTLM Relay. Um, and then I had shells the next day and I had domain admin a couple, like a couple hours after that. Um, so... That 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 that's a an incredibly prevalent attack that you're not going to see very often uh, in CTFs. Uh, that but uh, but you will see it in real life. It's easy enough to make a lab and emulate it though, to uh, to see how it uh, to see how it works. Anyone else have any other any other thoughts on that? In terms of just breaking out of the amateur space, I think write ups are such a great way to really break mm. into the professional space. Actually, like just getting out there and just write about what you know. Uh, that's what yeah, that's actually first... absolutely great. Yeah, write a blog. Yeah. yeah, that's how I got me my offense roles. I start writing anti uh, AV evasion uh, blog posts, and my team happened to need AV evasion, so I heard from them a few days later. And yeah, in terms just of... yeah, document okay. your learning experiences. Yeah, is there a reason your notes can't be public? Mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of uh, mindset changes, you have to care about the clients. Uh, network in a way that you just don't want to crash everything and you have to be very mindful about scope you know certain things they just don't want you to attack and i know uh it gets kind of memed on at least the bug bounty community that the out of stuff's still vulnerable 
but it really is impactful, at least in terms of if I'm at a uh, hacking a health system, I can't crash their, you know, their EMR. It's going to bring the business down. That's going to lose the money. So you have to just be very cautious and deliberate about what you're doing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You don't want to bring, like in the in the CTF world, you can usually just reset the box, right? Uh, if you mess something up. But in the real world, you don't really want to. You really want to kind of avoid um, going to having to go to the client and say, "Hey, I took your server down," because um, that's <laughs> it's a little bit of a yikesers. Um, so it's it's you do kind of want to be care more careful and methodical. You want to it's I would say you need to have a much better idea that you of what you are doing, what the effects of your tools can have. Like for example, with Responder and NCLM Relay, it's important to note that if you just let Responder and NCLM Relay work for a while, the network isn't going to go down, but people aren't going to be able to connect to their share drives. Uh, there's going to be a lot of weird connectivity issues across the. the there's going to be a lot of connectivity issues across the network that are going to manifest as yes, yeah, as people like not being able to connect to their share drives, not being able to reach their email, uh, and stuff like that. Um, so you typically don't want to run it forever. And that was the mistake I again made on my first assessment where I just kind of let it run. Cause I didn't know what the, I didn't know what the F I was doing. Um, and, uh, and then the client kind of poked their, one of the client it guy kind of poked his head in the office and like, Hey, are you guys kind of doing something like nothing's broken, but we're seeing a lot of weird connection issues. And I'm like, Oh, that's probably, that's probably this. Um, uh, so yeah, just knowing what your tools are doing becomes more important in the real world. Um, so you use the CTF sphere to kind of experiment and practice, um, so that when you can go out and when you go out in the real world, you, you know, you have an understanding of what your tools are doing and, uh, you're not actually going to break anything. And it does actually show that org, like, even if it's an accident like that, and it, it invokes a bit of a denial of service, right? It does actually show that organization a hole that they had, right? If somebody were just to throw up a a like NTLM relay or responder session, right? Then I mean, you can see what kind of damage it would have. I I remember one of the stories from my red team, which there was an engagement that had taken place like a year before I even got there. And they were performing an engagement on, uh, my team was performing an engagement on, a, on an airport. And dude, they tossed up Responder or NTLM Relay and suddenly air traffic control just completely went to pot. And- Yeah, that's gonna be a problem. And it, I, I almost said we, but my old team basically ended up kind of accidentally shutting down the airport um but what we did in essence and we had to our, our formal report was like 218 pages of technical prowess right and we were kind of explaining to them this deep issue um that existed and how simple and how easy it was for us to do that even if it was completely an accident and a big, yeah, right, Nightwolf? Like a big whoopsie. Oopsie. Um, and that's what it was. But they'd signed on. They knew the risks. And in the end, they ended up thanking the team because it's like, holy cow, you know, we can just use this tool. And because of how certain systems interfered with AD, um, 
or common internet file uh, structure, SIFs, um, because of how certain systems, like you were mentioning, how, um, like people can't access their shares. Well, what if there's kind of like a bot that tries to do that? And it kind of relies on the information from a multitude of these shares uh, mm -hmm. for, for air traffic or data visibility. Um, and, and that becomes denied because you have it running for a while, right? Well, then, then, then the air traffic controller is not speaking and it needs to be speaking. And, and then the airport, it's, it's bad, dude. It's dangerous. Thankfully, sure. nothing happened. Um, other than some comm failures. And as soon as we found out about it, we immediately discontinued the engagement when we found, when we knew we were the source, like what are the chances during that engagement that my team would have, you know, and that would have happened. Somehow we were doing something is, I remember what them, that's what they told me. And I'm like, dude, I've, I learned from their mistake. That's the kind of thing that you can't really learn until you you get into internals, client sides, and so on yeah. and so forth. Like you're gonna make those oopsies, but hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully the people listening right now, when they graduate, when they get their OSCP um, or OSWA, cough coughs. Um, so whenever you get those, uh, that maybe you you take into consideration and learn from our mistakes. Like please. Um, learn from our mistakes the way we learned from others or mm -hmm. made them. And, um, and, and just whenever you're doing it, uh, take into heavy consideration, whenever you're performing an internal engagement and doing that, take into heavy consideration the types of data that might be moving on the network, the types of information that might be required. And don't just toss up responder and TLM relay all nilly willy, you know? If you can acquire a bit of that information ahead of time in a scoping call, um, like on the types of information from project directors, CISOs and BISOs that flows throughout that network or that class, then in the end, you could, you could save them a lot of time. Um, but showing denial of service conditions of that magnitude with that level of simplicity is like just by pulling, just by throwing up like a WPAD spoof proxy in and of itself for Internet Explorer for some of these organizations that are still behind, right? It gets it gets bad, and it can have kind of like a butterfly effect. So just be careful and learn from our mistakes is, I guess, one thing you could do. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You shouldn't be afraid of of having those whoopsies. There are some like there, and you like your client should be aware. Like if your if your company knows what it's doing, they'll tell you that stuff can happen. Okay, stuff can happen. Stuff almost will happen. But um, yeah, but your gut, but yeah, and uh, and the pen testers are going to do their best not to like hurt, like not not to break anything. Um, but stuff can happen sometimes. Um, but so you shouldn't be afraid of making those whoopsies, but you should be mindful. Uh, of the impact your whoopsies can have. Like if I was in an airport, um, uh, I would be very careful about causing a denial of service because you know planes are out there, lives are at stake. Um, that's uh, yeah, like I was a in a factory. Bomb. No one, I I mean, unless I caused a machine to go haywire and like cut someone's arm off or something, no one was going to get hurt um, from me uh, me causing a brief denial of service on their network with NTLM relay. But 
being mindful of the impact of your exploits uh is is important in the real in real life when it isn't in ctfs um absolutely all right let's uh let's let's pivot to another question here let's see i just want to make note though before we conclude yeah, yeah. that that guys don't be scared if you're getting into the field because of stuff that we've said like that stuff is incredibly rare in my entire career that didn't even happen to me personally it happened to a team that i worked with one time like my i guess my point is don't be afraid to step into information security because of that or horror stories right don't don't be afraid um it's it's exceptionally rare and as long as you can demonstrate value to their security stakeholders for whatever happened or could happen potentially during an engagement then you've done your job you showed them how what their flaws were and uh yeah yeah absolutely um how does a current infosec professional transition into an offensive role um this is one i feel comfortable answering from my own experience um because i was a threat hunter first and i pivoted into being offensive i think the 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 most important thing you can do right away is verbalize to the people above you to the at your job that you want to be offensive and try to explore avenues within your own job of um of offensive roles uh try to um uh if like if you're if you're not in a job right now and you're just trying to let's try let's say you're trying to pivot into a uh uh into a new job with an offensive role then you're gonna then i would i would start doing those ctfs do hack the box do try hack me and work your uh work your resume at, and gear it as much towards the offensive side of things as you possibly can um frame your defensive experience more as I now understand what it takes to not get caught and evade uh, and evade defensive solutions much better because like etc. Uh pair your if you sh your resume should be geared laser targeted towards the kind of role you want to get uh rather than just a generalized outline of your experience if that makes sense. A lot of people view a resume as like it's just a description of who I am and all of my experience. Wrong. Your resume is uh it should be almost customized for every single role you try to go to um where you it should be laser targeted to present to present you in the best possible light um for the role that you're trying to get if that makes sense so you you if you're in a current blue team position you verbalize to your blue to your uh superiors that you want to pivot um, and they will produce uh, more often than not will produce opportunities for you to like collaborate with uh, with the red team if they have one. Uh, most uh, security consulting firms will have a red team if there's if there are blue teamers as well these days. Um, if there isn't one, they'll uh, they'll they'll probably pay for certs like OSCP and uh, um, EJPT and so on and so forth. Start working towards those certs, um, and I think you'll find it's easier to pivot into the offensive role than you think. Anyone else have any thoughts on that? I would say you're actually at an advantage already being in the defensive mind of things. You can kind of think of that as your pseudo life path, so to speak, that you you understand something in information security already, be it, you know, infrastructure, you know, setting up a SIM, uh, maybe you're doing malware analysis, etc. You have a very firm understanding of the technology now, which means you'll have an easier time breaking it. 
So let's just say if you're a DBA, you probably understand SQL injections a lot better right off the gate than mm -hmm. doing binary exploitation, for example. So you have a good pivot and learning point to step into the offensive side of things. You just have to identify your strengths ahead of time and use it from like a technical perspective. Yeah, um, I mean, I I absolutely agree with that. If you're in a blue, I, I think that uh, like th these two fields are joined at the hip. A lot of people, a lot of people who are new to the new to the industry, kind of see them as there's like a line between them. There isn't. There's a lot of gray. Um, a lot of people like move like move between the two. Like Ipsec, uh, Ipsec is a is a threat hunter. I think. Well, he works for Hack the Box now, but before that, I think he was a threat hunter. People are can feel free to correct me. I don't know what he actually does. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm 99% sure he's a, he's a blue teamer by trade. He just does the pen testing stuff so that he can understand his blue team stuff better. He can understand what the attackers do better. Um, so yeah, you are at an advantage. I would say if you're trying to move from blue to red, you already have an understanding of, of how Splunk works, of how, um, of how Zeke works, of, um how networks are laid out like 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 you said um hopscotch if you have uh if you're a sysat if you're a web if you were a web developer before you probably understand sql injection you understand php better um like use what you i would say uh try to move into if you were a web app developer try to move into web app pen testing um try to move into it as adjacent and offensive field as you can and then once you're offensive you can branch out from there that would be my recommendation. And to uh, kind of add on to that, the blue team before you go red, I mean, understanding how, you know, businesses have to keep certain things running. And I know, uh, Al, you've mentioned this before, you know, you haven't attacked a real network unless you've seen all the legacy stuff that is just always lying around the, the 2000, 2003 servers, the 2008 at this mm -hmm. point, all the, the legacy stuff that, you know, in healthcare, for example, you have to retain stuff for seven years and, you know, it has to be in the form that it was first input in. So a lot of that stuff is just laying around and easily popped. Mm -hmm. People don't realize. Yeah, exactly. I, the, the, I always say this on stream, um, uh, because I get, I get, I get heat in the chat. Like how realistic is it that this is a windows seven client or that this is an, an out of date Linux host? And that there's a kernel exploit, uh, and I'm like, the, you, tell me you don't pen test in the real world without telling me you don't pen test in the real world, um, because you go on a, I go on real world networks. I'm on sophisticated real world networks. I'm a red teamer for a large consulting firm. We have big clients that are big enough that they're household names, and I go on their networks. I'm finding Windows Server 2003. I'm finding Windows 7. I'm finding all, like like Linux machines from Shellshock days. I, I'm telling you, the mentality is that they're afraid to patch. They're afraid to patch these things because they're afraid it's going to break break something and cause downtime. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it is the mentality. And I promise you, you're going to get out in the real world. And you're going to be amazed at how many out of date operating systems are there there are out there that Eternal Blue will just pop. Um, so. Uh, that's that's another thing that's different about CTFs these days. If you're doing hack the box machines, they tend to be up to date, and there's not really any current. They they don't really tend to like kernel exploits very much uh, on hack the box these days. Um, but uh, uh, in real life, you're gonna you're gonna see the, the opportunity for kernel related exploits all the all the time, dude. 
like basically all the time. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to get a good, I'm trying to see what we, if there's anything we haven't covered yet. Again, I want to be respectful to everybody's time here. Well, let's talk about the most important, like we did get an interesting question about report writing. How do you manage taking notes efficiently during an assessment? What are the, some of the procedures you take to keep the client's information secure? So this is kind of a procedural question, but I think it's important to bring up because we're talking mostly about the pen testing side of things. Uh, I mean, obviously we're talking blue team stuff too, but blue teamers have to write reports too. You, you have to like, we all hate the reporting side, right? I, I don't think there's going to be anyone here that nobody's that ever that I don't think there's going to be anyone here that's going to be like, I don't, I, uh, I just love the reporting phase. I love writing the report. It's so fun. Nobody likes it, dude. Everybody hates it. Um, but really, this is the most important part of the job. The most important part of any pen testing uh, engagement is the report. That's what the client is paying you to produce. So you need to be good at writing the report. You need to be taking notes efficiently, taking screenshots. Um, you, it's just got to be worked into your workflow. There's no trick to it. You just got, whenever you do something, you should be keeping logs of all of the commands that you execute. You should be, uh, if you're in a Linux terminal, you should be using the script command to log all your commands. Uh, MSF has a built-in logger if you're using MSF. Um, Cobalt Strike logs everything. Uh, so uh, you should be logging every command that you put in on a pen testing engagement. Um, you should be, every time you exploit something or, or find something interesting, you should be taking a screenshot of it. It's just something you have to work into your head as you go. It's something you learn in, in real life. Does anyone else, anybody have any uh, insights on that? I actually just write my report mm -hmm. as I go. Like whenever I find something, I just drop what I'm doing and go to the the draft of the report, put it in there, and that's that's just kind of how I do it. That way, I don't have to actually stop and write for several hours. Like at the end of the engagement, it's already done. Yeah, man. Like have a pre-approved template, right? So one thing that worked greatly in my favor when I was doing like an engagement a week for a year straight for this bank was honestly just getting in contact with who was receiving these reports, taking the time, go, going over the template with them, working with my team, you know, having a, a foundational template. And then that way they had something that they could expect that was repeatable, that was understandable. It had PCI uh, compliance, you know, sections and, and, and like where you could find the answers to these PCI questions. It was, it was a great uh, template. And so that's one thing I recommend is have a good template. And yeah, you're going to be taking plenty of notes like you see in my stream or anybody else's stream. Like we're always taking notes, even, even on like these, these small little vulnerable machines. And the truth of the matter is if this, if those were engagements, like those notes would be translated into very much professional wording. Um, and moved into a report. So having a template uh, that works and, uh, you know, is, is just good looking and very presentable um, that is like laser-like or catered towards the organization um, because it is their proprietary and confidential information in the end. So um, yeah, that kind of stuff is going to help you. Don't make a new report every single time that you have to report. Just have the template, load your findings in. If there was anything special that happened, include it in your executive summary. 
included, you know, like uh, the time frames and these types of things. If there was any downtime, make sure you have a section for, you know, hey, my engagement lasted this long, but, you know, the testing environment was down for this period. So this needs to be accounted for. Um, that's time that I couldn't test. You want to have sections for anything you can think of, and it won't hurt you. It will only help you. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, like people are asking like the, the standard kinds of questions, like, uh, what certifications would you recommend and stuff? What, like, so with, with everyone, with regards to what field you're in, what do you think is the most important certifications for your field? Um, like for me, I would say the most important certifications are the OSCP, the OSCP, the OSEP, uh, and the, um, um, CRTO, Certified Red Team, uh, uh, Certified Red Team Ops, uh, Red Team Operator. Uh, I'd say those are the most relevant certifications that um, that I've done so far. Um, uh, what about the rest of you guys? Depending on what field you're in. You know, I like this one uh, called the OSCP. I'm a big fan. <laughs> really, um, you you like yeah. that one? Yeah, no, I I really do. I think you know it really just pushes your your. Uh, it's definitely not a multiple choice thing. You know, HR doesn't have to worry because they know the people that they're getting that have achieved that, that are listed as offensive security certified professionals on their resumes. Like they know what they're getting. These are people that under the clock, you know, under the gun, so to speak, were able to perform. So that one for sure. And then there's this other one that I'm just like a really big fan of. Don't ask me why, but I really like the OSWA, and uh, I think offensive security is doing great things with the OSWA. Um, yeah. Which one is that one? OS is that OSWE? Offensive, offensive security offensive... web assessor. So it's the black box equivalent of like OS. Oh, so there's a new one. Wait a minute. There's a new one. Yeah, yeah, dude. I it's, didn't know there was a new one. I have the web expert one. Yeah, the web expert, obviously, absolutely. Um, but yeah, there is there is a new one, um, and I mean I gotta highly recommend it because I wrote almost you know a lot of all of that material. So I think it's I'm not gonna like set you up for failure with that cert. I guess is my point. Like I am setting you up for complete and total success to show no mercy on in-house applications, either that you encounter in a red team engagement or that you're performing for application security uh, departments. Like, I'm not gonna let you down. So OSWA, for sure, um, and OSCP, and uh, yeah. I have good, heard good things about the PNPT. Uh, I think that's the Cyber Mentors new cert. Uh, it's attempting to be like a more quote unquote realistic version of OSCP is what I've heard. I have not taken it, um, but I have heard good things from the people who have. So uh, what I will tell you about the PNPT is it, it could be amazing. Um, it, it very well could be just um, like a much more realistic version of the OSCP. It, but re OSCP with its changes, like the Active Directory changes and stuff, um, uh, I think is much stronger now. But my point is it could be it could be amazing, but it doesn't have that brand recognition that OSCP has on a resume. Um, HR just isn't looking for the PNPT yet like they are looking for the OSCP. So keep that in mind. Uh, you're getting a cert for two reasons. Number one, for the stuff it's going to teach you, right? 
Uh, but number two, it's looking for uh, it's it's you're, you're you're looking for the the recognition on a resume. You want to be able to put that certification on a resume and get and help it get you through the HR department so you can get those interviews. Um, so keep that in mind, those two factors in mind when you decide what certification to go for. What about blue team certifications? Do we have any uh, any uh, folks in uh, in here that uh, uh, are going yeah, for blue so team certifications? My buddy's not here, but he kind of just wrote a blue team certification at Offensive Security called the SOC 200 uh, that oh, I nice. highly recommend. It's actually... Turn into marketing. <laughs> This is now an offensive security uh, uh, marketing stream. Um, I think that, I mean, I have, a, I have a couple of SANS certifications as well from when I was a threat hunter. And I think that when you're a blue teamer, I think SANS is going to give you the most recognition. Like people want to see SANS certifications on resumes. The unfortunate part of that is that SANS, like people complain about the cost of OSCP. Let me tell you what, SANS, like OSCP is a little over a grand if you get like the 90 days, I think, uh, love lab time. But if you if you're getting a sand cert, you're talking six seven grand. Uh, you're talking that's a that's some heavy money that you're paying. Uh, but because uh, they're marketed towards businesses, uh, you should get your job to pay for it uh, if you can. Um, so you like those get the getting those sand certs is going to be valuable on the blue team side. I would say uh, there are some other blue like blue team certs trying to starting to work their way into the space. Uh, but sands is going to give you the most brand recognition. I would say. Anyone else have any other insight on those blue team uh, certifications? Blue team yeah. stuff. A lot. Oh, go ahead, WSP. Oh no, I was just gonna say, you know, that's that's probably the most brand recognition you're gonna get there. Um, it maybe some, you know, ISC squared if you're kind of later on. Um, I think, yeah, blue team leader. I think the BTL um, series. I think is I've heard good things about it. It it seems like uh, it's the way we want to see. Uh, you know, more blue team where it's kind of hands-on kind of stuff where you can actually uh, get your hands dirty with it. Yeah, that's good because, I mean, previously, like, uh, we had all the hands-on certifications were all offensive-minded, it, it seems. But it's good to see that the blue teamers are starting to get their own brand of... They're starting to get exams that are not just, like, multiple, multiple uh, choice tests. That's not to say sans certs aren't hard. Here's what a sans question is like. It's like uh, they'll give you like a paragraph, like a whole paragraph of stuff, like uh, of stuff that you're seeing like on a network or whatever. And only like one sentence of it is actually relevant. And then you have to like, you have to sift through your map. They're all open book. At least the, the, the test that I took was open book. And I had to like sift through my mountain of uh, sans materials to find the, to, to find the one to find the part of that paragraph that was relevant to answer the question that was being asked. Um, it was, uh, it, it, those were pretty tough as far as multiple choice questions go. Um, but uh, it's, it, 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 I definitely don't think, I definitely think you need that people need hands-on experience. So I'm glad to see blue teamers starting to get that stuff. Well, let's see. Do we have any more, any more interesting questions here? That I've tried to answer all of these uh, to like kind of work my way around to all of these questions. I have not like brought up all of the questions word for word, but I've tried to address them uh, as best I can. So hopefully I hopefully I have done that. Uh, I am going to be respectful of the time of our panelists here and kind of just open it up to like closing comments here. I want to thank everyone for being here. I think this was a good little conversation we had and I hope this was valuable to you guys.
Does anybody have any closing comments they'd like to make? Keep trying, dude. Never give up. Never surrender. Don't you dare give up. Just keep going. You can make it. You can do it. And, yep. Would you say that uh, they should um, try uh, try somewhat <laughs> more vigorously? They should try more vigorously? Try as vigorously as you can. Okay. And then keep discovering how much you can try vigorously and continue to try vigorously, I suppose. <laughs> Please continue to attempt. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, anybody anybody else got any uh any little insights? Um one last bit of parting advice. Uh don't sleep on any things you want to learn just purely out of curiosity because uh I took the time to learn um uh Windows malware reverse engineering and while I'm not doing that, I am currently uh getting to do Android malware reverse engineering and a, nice. a lot of the same, a lot of the same principles applied. It's just learning. Uh, is literally just a matter of I Google Android APIs instead of uh, Windows. But yeah, I mean, you never know where your career is going to take you. I had no idea that at my current job I would have an opportunity to pivot from pen because I still have the same employer. I'm just doing uh, malware analysis instead of pen testing. So if there's something you want to learn as a just something you're curious about, don't you know, don't get tunnel vision and just say, I just want OSCP. You know, if there's something else you're interested in learning, go ahead and learn it because you, you never know. You might get to do it and you might enjoy it more than pin testing. Yeah, no, I agree. You should you should make an attempt to self-improvement is very important, especially in this field, um, because the field is moving at a rapid pace and you need to be constantly learning just to keep up and stay above water. Go to bed every night knowing a little bit more than you did yesterday. That's what I always, what I always Dude, say. and I, I mean, on like, amen to what uh, Zephy just said, uh, because like, I that mentality, I, I can't tell you how useful that is. Like, they say the devil sits on it or stands on idle hands, right? So put in the work, amen. Like, do it's the quote, screw it, let's do a heap spray, you know, end quote kind of mentality. Like, screw it. Let's just go successfully perform a heap spray. Let's go successfully perform some Benex against, you know, uh, that re would require a rock chain or use one after free, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it may be, like it's the screw it. Let's just do that. Instead of sitting around, go do it. There are plenty of articles out there, um, certifications like the OSED, which I loved that certification. It was so much fun and so detailed. Um, but... Like, don't just to, an ode to what Zephy said. Don't just sit around on your thumbs, man. Like, it's the screw it. Let's do a heap spray, you know, mentality and and learn everything you can and pull it apart. And uh, that'll help you in the future, too. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Uh, it definitely, you should be experimenting on your own, teaching your, like, build a tool, learn how to code, learn a freaking programming language. People ask me this all the time. Can I learn how to pen test if I don't know how to program? Yes, but at some point, you're going to hit a wall. You're going to be able to get your OSCP and stuff without knowing how to really code all that much. You just have to modify, know how to modify exploits intelligently, and that's about it. But at some point, you're going to hit a wall. 
you're, there's there's only so good you can be at pen testing, I would argue, unless you you without knowing a a significant amount of programming uh, knowledge. So, like, learn up the earlier that you just accept that and learn a programming language. Literally, any and people get really wrapped around the axle about which programming language they should learn. Like, well, should I learn Python or is C sharp the way to go? Like literally just any language, anything that gets you started, literally anything. Because once you learn that first language, it's much easier to learn the second one and the third one, unless unless those are rust, in which case, best of fucking luck to you. Um, pardon my French. But um, just, just pick a language, embrace learning a language, and sit down and code some stuff. Like, make little tools for yourself. Um, a pen tester is partially defined, in my opinion, by their ability to whip up uh, custom tools on the fly to deal with problems that they encounter. So the earlier that you embrace that mentality and start coding, the better off you're going to be. Yes. Is malware developing a thing? And that's, that's kind of what I was getting into, uh, Astoria Solar. Um, malware development is a thing. It's just kind of something that we do. Um, that's just kind of something that people do. We make tools. And, uh, we, and yeah. where... I'm so sorry, man. How are we gonna demonstrate capability if we don't make the capability? Like, yeah, no, yeah, no. it's <laughs> malware is sort of it's uh, like calling it malware is sort of malware is in the is sort of a subjective term. People call it malware because it's of because of. Uh, uh, of whatever it's doing in the context of that you're uh, that you're mentioning, every pen testing tool is malware um, to some people. Mimikatz malware for sure. Um, like uh, like every, all of these tools that we use, all mal is all considered malware. Um, so yeah, malware development is a thing. It's something that we do all the time. Uh, it isn't malware if it isn't malicious to me. Yeah, again, it's subjective. It's it's in the eye of whoever is using it or viewing it or or, or uh, seeing it. Um, so yeah, I would say I it's Owasp's app is malware. Um, yes, first of all, objectively, yes. And um, Netcat, dude, don't you know Netcat from Nightwolf? It's a Netcat is also malware. Yeah. I mean, Netcat don't you can be malware too. SSH can be malware if you're it's if someone malware. compromises your uh it's your credentials. Malware. Port eighty is malware. It's all <laughs> any other so learn how to code is what I'm saying. Learn how to program, okay? Learn it. Stop trying stop delaying and piddling about trying to pick a programming language because I get this all the fucking time. People, this is one of the most common questions I ask. Which programming language should I learn? And people are asking that question because uh they because um they they're they're paralyzed by indecision about which language to learn. Just pick one and learn it. It doesn't matter. Python, Go, Java, um, C sharp, C plus plus, doesn't matter. Pick one and learn it, because uh, it'll be easier to learn in the future. Any other closing comments from any of our panel members? Keep trying, man. Never give up. Never surrender. You got this. Your dreams are wonders. And people like myself, Al, you know the people in this Discord. I can tell you that if you're going for any of our certifications at Offsec, then we literally have 24-7 dedicated student mentors that will help you, point you in the right direction. I mean, it's the resources are here. They they are here, they're in public domain. And if you want to learn it, you can do it. That's another bad that's that's all I'm gonna say here in closing.
Yeah. Well, um, thank you, Siren. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate everybody's presence here and all of your insights. You all have very valuable insights. We all come from different backgrounds and sharing our experiences, how we improve as people and as cybersecurity practitioners. Um, thank you to all of us who listened. Uh, this is being uh, recorded and will be uh, and will be uploaded as soon as it's done. Um, uh, thanks everyone for being here. I have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get off here and then basically immediately jump onto my live stream on Twitch.tv. So uh, I will. Um, I'll close. I'll close it here. And uh, once again, thank you everyone for all the panelists for being here. Thank all of. Uh, I, and I thank all of you guys for listening. And uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Look forward to more of these podcasts in the future as we uh, going forward in this discord.